Welcome into Inside the Pile on the Podcast. Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield here on Tuesday, March 8th. Uh, big news coming out yesterday. Peyton Manning uh, retiring after a tremendous career in the NFL, uh, picking up uh, in, in total 17 seasons uh, that he played, 13 for Indianapolis, four for the Denver Broncos, picking up one Super Bowl with each team, actually. Uh, Mark, you are a quarterback. Uh, talk to me about Peyton Manning. Obviously, look, th- there's no doubt that Peyton Manning is going to go down as one of the great quarterbacks of all time. I guess, where, where do you even want to start here? I don't know. I mean, thinking about Peyton handing him up, um, you know, full disclosure, you and I are both Patriots fans. Um, so we've been, you know, on the observational side of Peyton Manning for a long time <laughs> from a rooting perspective and trying to have to root against him. And in thinking about his career, I'm reminded so much of, and this is might sound odd at the start, but give me a minute to kind of go through it, but Derek Jeter in that, you know, if you were a Red Sox fan, especially like 2003, 2004, that feeling of dread that you got in your stomach when Derek Jeter started digging into the batter's box. It was, you just knew that he was going to find a way to get on base, find a way to get a hit. God, every time the Jeter would use that inside out swing on an inside cut in fastball and somehow muscle the ball into right field for a, a single that had no business, he had no business even getting the bat on. And it was the same way as a Patriots fan, seeing Manon walk into the huddle because you knew that you were going to get the absolute best performance in most cases from a quarterback that a guy could put together. Now, granted, there were times when the New England defense had an answer for him, and we can get to that, but I don't think you'll find a guy playing the position that was smarter and more prepared to take on a defense. And defenses from Belichick to Rex Ryan to everybody else threw everything in the kitchen sink at him, and most times he had an answer for it. So just as a fan of a team that was going up against him so much, you were almost nauseous watching him play. You knew you were watching greatness, but you were nauseous because he was that good. Well, let's and, – and what I want to do before we really get to the stats, because the one issue that you run into with any quarterback stats these days, whether it's Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, whoever it is, it's a different game than it was even back in the 1990s. There's no doubt about that. And the, the passing stats, I think, have been distorted for any quarterback today. And what, what I want to do is look at Manning just from a skills and a traits perspective, because this is what we do all the time. Talk to me in terms of, uh, let's, let's start just with, you know, basic, you know, the arm. What, what throws Peyton Manning at his peak? Obviously, today, can't do it, but at his peak, could make any throw in the game. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're exactly right about that. And, you know, I'm reminded of, uh, I think it was a Monday night game where Indianapolis you know, went into Foxborough and kind of blew the doors off New England. He made a throw in a corner out to Marvin Harrison there. You're just like, okay, well, you're not going to defend that. I mean, he could make every throw to every little with touch when he needed to, with zip when he needed to. I mean, yeah, he had the injury, and so the arm strength, you know, the past few seasons wasn't what it used to be. But he still found a way to get the throws there. Um, yeah, let's let's talk, though, in, in terms of – Moving on from just uh, the pure arm strength, decision-making is something that you're always talking about with, uh, with quarterbacks that are coming out, uh, out of college, trying to improve that decision-making as they go forward in their NFL career. With Peyton Manning, I almost want to break this into two different parts. One, I want to talk about pre-snap, and then I also want to talk about post-snap. Talk to me about those areas. 
Um, pre-snap might arguably be the best it ever played. And the reason for that is he was always, or not always, but in most cases, one step ahead of the defense. He knew what you were running before you knew what you were running. And you can attribute that to the work he did in during the week. You can attribute that to some of the great minds that he got to play with, with Marcia Broda, with Bruce Arians for a while. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, obviously put in the work during the week, benefited from having some great minds around him that he got to work with. Um, but he was able to identify the weak spot in a defense before the defense was finished lining up. So, I mean, there were times when, you know, New England, they would just – line up and they wouldn't even try to confuse them. They just said, look, this is what we're going to run. And hopefully we just got enough in terms of playmakers to try to stop it because he was able to just decipher a defense and win the chess match pre-snap. Again, probably as good, if not better than anybody else has ever, that has ever done it. Once the ball was snapped, play speed and decision make and he was just could process information incredibly quickly if a defense tried to roll coverage if they tried to throw something different at him most of the time he was able to figure it out on the fly and make the right decision with the football were there times when defenses were able to fool him of course but he won more than most and and you know part of that when we talk about Peyton winning more than most and I had mentioned this right after the Super Bowl in how it almost seemed that this Super Bowl win for Manning, where for once in his career he was carried by a defense instead of having to do everything himself, it's it's almost karma for him to see that because you go back and you look at some of the teams that he played on. And I was looking at this this afternoon, and you go back to 2004. 2004, the Indianapolis Colts scored 522 points. So you're talking about 32-plus points a game. They gave up 351, though. So you're talking about a team that then went out and gave up 23 points a game, and that defense proved to be their undoing there. You go back a year before that, the 2003 season, you say, okay, they scored 447, not quite as many. They still gave up 336 points. And to a certain extent, and look, again, you said right off the top, you and I, both of us grew up Patriots fans. And so there was a certain joy at a certain point in our life where we said, you know, Peyton can't win the big one. Peyton can't win the big one. But you look back and you sit there and you say, look, if if those teams, either one of them had a shred of a defensive identity, you're potentially talking about a situation where Manning potentially has an additional one, maybe two extra Super Bowl rings and Tom Brady might have one or two less. I think that's a really good point, and the parallels to Elway are almost eerie in so many ways. I mean, you think about John Elway and that Denver Broncos team that, again, put up great numbers but never was able to break through and win a Super Bowl until the tail end of his career. And it wasn't like he lit it up. And that first Super Bowl win that Elway had, Elway went 12-22 for 123 yards and an interception. Yep. Manning in that last Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50, 13 of 23 for 141 and an interception. I mean, they're almost identical numbers. And, and you talk about that, you know, Elway is the architect of this team, and he's been very outspoken in saying, look, I wanted to build for Peyton Manning what I had at the end of my career, and he essentially did that. Yeah. I mean, he went out and he got, you know, 
an incredibly stout defense and an offensive scheme that could get by with running the football well and relying on what they could get in the passing game. I mean, I'm sure if Peyton Manning was sitting down with us in the, you know, Stamper Oil uh, recording studio that we're recording this at, he would tell us that, look, you know, this wasn't the way I envisioned my last season going in terms of what I was able to bring to the team. I mean, he missed games for a while, arguably was benched. I mean, there was some injury issues that he was dealing with, yep. but he was able to deliver in part a Super Bowl because of what Elby built because of that defense and did enough in those you know two playoff games to get them to a Super Bowl. I mean, was he lights out in both those wins over Pittsburgh and New England? No, those were primarily defensive wins, especially the victory over the Patriots, but he did enough. And at this point in career, that's what you could do is you just do enough that the defense do what they did, and he got his Super Bowl to ride off into the sunset with. Mark, I'm going to read you off the uh, the stat line from Peyton's first year. 1998, he was a 22-year-old, uh, starting for Indianapolis here, started all 16 games, Team went 3-13. and 13. So the first thing to remember, Peyton Manning did not have, uh, it, there wasn't this drastic turnaround in year one. They did make a significant amount of progress after that. But 326 completions, uh, 575 attempts, only completed 56% of his passes, 26 touchdowns, 28 interceptions, uh, averaged in terms of yards per attempt, 6.5, so a full 1.2 yards below his uh, career average, 71.2 quarterback rating and 22 sacks there. You look at that, and obviously year one, nothing you know really stands out there, and you've talked about this danger of box score scouting. And I'm wondering, is this something where even just beyond a single game, looking at a whole season of a young quarterback, you can get into some trouble if all you look at are the stats in the first season? I think so. And it's the man in rookie year is a cautionary tale for what's ahead of us. I mean, we're looking at a draft class where you might like Jared Goff, you might like Carson Wentz, you might like Paxton Lynch. I don't think any of the proponents of those three quarterbacks, who most people kind of have come around to thinking those are the top three guys, would be comfortable with them starting week one. So you look at Peyton Manning, who's going down as one of the top five, if if not one of the top two quarterbacks of all time. And that's a rough rookie year by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, look at the way he was able to turn it around from year one to year two. With most quarterbacks, and I'm curious to see what Mariota and Winston do in that you know freshman to sophomore year, have a little bit of a regression, but not man. And I mean, look at the numbers he put up. That team went 13 and three his second year. Yep, he completed 62 percent of his passes for over 4,000 yards, 26 TDs, only 15 interceptions. So he cut the interception total nearly in half, which is. Not what you'd expect. You'd expect, you know, NFL teams, now they got a full year of tape on you. They'll have some answers for you and kind of try to take away what you were able to do well your rookie year. Man, flip the script. So I I don't have other quarterback stats in front of me, like his brother, for example, other guys that started year one and that year one to year two. But I'm guessing it's rare to see a kind of improvement like that from year one to two that you saw from Peyton. So cautionary tale going forward. Have some patience with guys if you're going to put them into the fire early. Yeah, and and the thing to remember about Peyton is once you got past that first season, he never went below 62% completion percentage again until this year. And obviously, we know that the Peyton Manning that we saw this year was not the same one that we had seen previously just because the arm strength clearly was not there 
at this point. And it's, you know, you, you, you try to put this in context, just the, the raw numbers and everything. And, and, and this is where, this is where I think I, I struggle to try to contextualize this because obviously the game today is different from what it was back in the 90s, back in the 80s, and back in the 70s. It is simply not the same game because of what offenses are able to do in the passing game. Where do you think, and I almost hate to do this, but how do you even try to compare quarterbacks across eras? I I struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, you saw a lot of this discussion over the weekend, you know, when it came out on Sunday that Peyton was retiring, you know, and people are putting up their top five lists. And you see a lot, a lot of recency bias. You know, you have Brady, you have Manning, you have Marino, you have Montana, and then Elway. I mean, though, that's kind of like five names, but you're leaving off guys like Unitas, guys like Bart Starr, yep. guys that, you know, delivered Super Bowls and were, you know, Bradshaw. I mean, look at him. I mean, four Super Bowl wins, but I don't think Bradshaw really makes it into that discussion because Pittsburgh was, again, wasn't just the error. They were primarily a run team that did some stuff on the passing game, and Bradshaw didn't put up incredible numbers. We could also get into the classic, uh, our wins a quarterback stat controversy if you want. Oh, QB wins, yeah. You want to wait down that one? That's that's a summertime (laughs) show, man, for... That's that's for that's a nice June discussion when everybody's listening to us at the beach. But it's it's really hard to contextualize, and it's really hard to contextualize it even amongst this era. Because think about the way the game changed in two thousand four. <coughs> Bill Pulley, oh excuse me, had something in my throat there for a second. But the game got a lot easier for offenses because of what we saw in two thousand three and two thousand four. Well, and, and so and to put it in to put it in perspective, there Peyton Manning had six seasons prior to two thousand four did not put up a quarterback rating above 100 in any of those seasons. In the 11 seasons afterward, put up six seasons above 100 and two others at 98 and 99.9. So it's you sit there and you say, the game clearly changed at that point. But, you know, I, I look at this, and, and this is, you can almost look at this in terms of when we talk about a person in general and their path through life, so much is luck, but so much is also opportunity and being able to take advantage of those opportunities out there. Peyton Manning, there is certainly some luck associated with the era that he played in, in that the passing yards were able, uh, they were out there for the taking, and and the the touchdowns and and the, the records to be broken were out there for the taking. But you can also argue that Peyton developed his skill set in such a way that he took advantage of it in a way that, frankly, probably no other quarterback aside from maybe Tom Brady really did. Yeah, and that's almost, you know, man in, in a nutshell. I mean, being able to take advantage of a situation, whether it's a blitzing defender on the weak side that he spots pre-snap and knows what's coming and adjusts the play and just, you know, simplifies it to a quick hitch route that goes the distance, or it's a rolled coverage that he knows is coming and knows how to exploit that backside safety rolling from a cover two look to a cover three look, or whether it's taking advantage of the rule changes and pressing the ball vertically a little bit more and drawing those penalties, drawing those defensive holding penalties. I mean, every team does it. Look at Joe Flacco. Look at you know Tom Brady. Look, they try to take advantage of that stuff and look for those flags. But as he has throughout his career, Manning was able to exploit those, you know, those opportunities, take advantage of those opportunities, perhaps better than anybody. Yeah, and it's you know, it's I, I guess from my perspective, that's when I try to figure out how you rank quarterbacks because obviously I, the position has changed so much over time. You look at there, you look at it and you say, okay, who was able to take advantage of the situation that they were given 
better than anyone else. And, and certainly, just from the the utter dominance, even in comparison to other quarterbacks in this era, I guess that's that's almost how I try to look at it, is, is compared to the other quarterbacks that are out there today, how much better is Manning than the other ones out there. And the only other one who's in the same category is Tom Brady. You don't put a Drew Brees out there. You probably, I mean... I hesitate to put Aaron Rodgers in the same category right now. Uh, I, I think I would. I mean, it's so hard and to try to, like you said, contextualize these guys and like assemble like an all-time top five. I don't. I don't even think you really can, just because of the differences in the game. So I think if you have like a, you know, an, a Mount Rushmore for each decade, you know, this current decade would Elway. I mean, excuse me, would. Man and beyond it, probably. We, talk, we talking uh, like 2010 through uh, 2015 yeah. so far? Yeah. That's, I mean, do that's you go, a tough one. Do you go Brady, Manning, Rogers, Breeze? Well, here, here's the thing. At this point in this decade, you probably can. The question is, after the next five years of a lap, right. are you still? And that's right. that, I think, is... Manning in this decade, you're probably talking really then about four very good years that he had. You got 2010 uh, with Indy. You got 2012, 13, and 14. 15, you can say obviously he won the Super Bowl, but it wasn't on uh, you know, necessarily the back of him. I, th- I certainly think if you go back and look at 2000 through 2010, no, no doubt about it at that point. But this decade, I think when it's all said and done, I think it's it's going to be very interesting, especially you know with some of the uh, the young guns that you have out there. What happens uh, over the next five years? Yeah, um, you know, and obviously one last thing to kind of touch on here is obviously the he'll forever be linked with Tom Brady, and you know I saw some discussion on Twitter this weekend about obviously Peyton Manning is the first ballot Hall of Famer in his induction speech, and I thought for a moment, what if Brady gave it? And then, you know, seven years from now when Brady goes in, what if Manning gives him, puts Brady in? Yeah, because, I mean, you've kind of got these two guys linked at the hip. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it, I think to try to choose between one or the other, it's it's almost a fool's errand to do so. I think you're going to make yourself look worse trying to do that yeah. than simply saying, look, these are the two best guys, hands down. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's trying to trying to pick between them. It's equivalent to... I don't know. It's it's like saying, look, are you a you know Godfather person or you know are you a uh, Casablanca? You, you you know you're, you're just going to make yourself sound dumb if you say one of them isn't as good. It's right. it, it's it's impossible to try to do. So I uh, it's that would be interesting if you had them giving each other's induction speeches. Yeah, I think I I would love that. I think it would be great. I, it would never happen, but I think it would be pretty cool. Not a chance. It would be pretty cool to see. Um, let's see. We've got a couple minutes left here. Do we have a Twitter question? I think we do. Do we? Yeah. You got one? I do. Give me one second to pull it up. Do we have any sort of like theme music here as I pull this thing up for us? Uh, just pretend that the Jeopardy music is playing in the background. It's That's a uh, that's a good way to do it. You know, that's, that's what I do whenever and I'm... It's, if I'm in an elevator or something, that's my go-to if I don't want to make eye contact. Or the other thing you can do in an elevator if you ever want to just scare the hell out of people is just turn around and face the wrong way. That's a good one. I always reminded <laughs> of that scene from Ghost. I'm aging myself here, but whether they do that at the beginning where the guy talks about that rash or something. Anyway, 
Uh, we do have a Twitter question that is pretty much on point for this show. It's great. And it comes to us from our friends down under from Wooten Y. Okay. Our good friends. And they ask us at IT, Pe- IT Pylon, favorite Peyton Manning game? We know Mark Schofield won't say the 2006 AFC Championship game. Well, that's probably true. You won't say yeah. that. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Peyton Manning game? I've got a couple. The first one that comes to mind that it's not even a real game, but that 2003-2004 Pro Bowl with a Mike Vanderjack idiot kicker comment. Oh, yeah. That was that was pretty funny. That You've got to give him some credit for that. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be right up there when it's all said and done. I'm thinking if I'm talking favorite Peyton Manning game, i got to probably go... Just because you've already seen, and again, we're com- I'm coming at this from a Patriots perspective. I'm going back to uh, 2010 playoffs, I think it was. Patriots were eliminated by the Ravens in that blowout early on. And then I believe the Colts, I think it was in the, I think it was the AFC Championship game against the Jets. Yep. Uh, and the Colts, pretty much, it, the game ended up being, I think it was like 30 to 20 or 30 to 17, but they, it was pretty much a blowout. I think Peyton threw for like 375 yards, and it was just like he was on fire the whole game. And there was just something satisfying about seeing him just torch that Jets team uh, that it had kind of you know gotten by on a defense without any real offensive identity. Uh, and, and I think from my perspective, that game there, uh, heading into the Super Bowl in early 2010, that's probably you know where I put it, where as one of my favorite ones to have watched. Yeah, I mean he was that was you pretty much nailed it. it was uh, 30 to 17 when he was 26 for 39 for 377 and three TDs. Yeah, yeah, it was um, he was just on fire the whole game. Yeah. I mean, you can also probably uh, go back. I mean, some just some of those the Brady Manning battles that you had throughout the years. I mean, look, as, as painful as it was that 2006 game, you, you got to put that one up there. I mean, in terms of what he did there. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, th- there's an awful lot, man. It's you're talking about one of the great football players of all time who is uh, retiring at this point. Again, I think yeah. you, you could go back and forth on these the entire time, but to try to pick one, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice because Anyone can have one of those great games. The fact is you have so many to choose from. That's why you're talking about him like this. Yeah, I mean, I look at that 03-04 season and the first two playoff games he had. They Indy opened up a wild card against Denver. They blow the Broncos out 41-10. And he goes 22 of 26 for 377 and five TDs for basically a perfect passer rating. <laughs> And then the next week they take on Kansas City and he had that's like actually, another five, right? Yeah, it was twenty he was twenty two for thirty for three oh four and three TDs. Okay. For a one thirty eight point seven passer rating. Yeah. Then he follows it up with that that AFC championship game where he went twenty three of forty seven, one T D four picks that for thirty five pick points. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, you know, certainly But that two game stretch though, I mean, I remember being as a Patriots fan terrified because oh, yeah. he, you know, to go you know, 44 for 56 for over for almost 700 yards and eight scores in two games. <laughs> okay, that's not bad. No, and and I remember you, you, coming through that. You're just sitting there going, "What what's he going to do this game?" And and somehow New England was able to shut him down there. Um, but you know, clearly again, you're talking about a guy who was about as hot as he could possibly be 
heading into that game. So yep. uh, the you might as well you know get everyone ready, get the bust ready, get the plaque ready, get everyone ready uh, for him to be heading into Canton just because it's it's a done deal pretty much as soon as possible here. Uh, and and certainly, uh, I, I don't expect this is the last time we're going to see Peyton Manning around the NFL. I, I would imagine that he's going to continue to be pretty involved. He seems like the kind of guy who would drive himself insane if he wasn't involved in football in some way. Yeah, and that 2021 Hall of Fame class, it, I mean, it, you've got Peyton, you've got Marshawn Lynch, you've got Megatron. Sign them up. Sign them up. Yeah. They're ready I to mean, go. I, yeah, I think those guys go in, don't you? I, I think all three of them do, hands down. So yeah. that's all the time we've got for the day. We are back tomorrow talking about kickers, the number one kicking prospect in the 2016 class, talking about where he could potentially go, whether he's worth it. That's coming up tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. <laughs>